The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should consider obtaining independent advice before making any financial decisions. Welcome to this week's edition of Stock Doc. Many listeners will recall the famous DC Comics quote, is it a bird, is it a plane? No, it's Superman. Today, I am uh, privileged to speak with Caroline Bowler, the CEO of BTC Markets, uh, to help explain to us crypto assets. And is it a bird, is it a plane, is it a Superman? Well, I want to understand is a crypto asset a currency, a commodity, a security. And there's no better person to talk to than Caroline, has a wealth of experience in equity markets globally. Caroline's the CEO of BTC Markets, Australia's leading exchange, has more arguably the largest liquidity of any of these markets that exist for digital assets. And, and certainly in this time of the coronavirus, where we're seeing a, a big movement from traditional markets into alternate asset classes and even, heaven forbid, back into uh, U.S. Treasuries. It's a great opportunity to uh, for us to get full bottle on uh, on these digital assets. Caroline Bowler, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much for having me. Look, I uh, I want to get into this uh, understanding of what a, a crypto asset is, but um, maybe I'm using this term incorrectly. Caroline, can you go back and just talk to us about how? digital assets or cryptocurrencies or whatever have evolved over time since uh, they started what, around the time of the GFC? Yes, um, happily. So the Satoshi white paper came out in 2008 and it was discussing Bitcoin as a peer-to-peer um, currency. The crypto element refers to the security part, the, the cryptography around the transaction or around around the coin. Um, and I think kind of cryptocurrency became the better known term for it. But the industry itself has evolved past just um, a currency into, as you've described, um, a currency, a commodity and a security. And with that evolution, it's gone from being just purely known as crypto into digital assets. So digital asset is an umbrella term for digital currency, digital commodity and digital security, um, but but still retains that, that crypto and decentralized element. Mm-hmm. And so what are some examples of the leading uh, digital assets. I think uh, listeners will know about Bitcoin, but what are some of the others? Sure. Well, I mean, as, as you described, Bitcoin's probably the better known. On our exchange, our big four are Bitcoin, XRP, which is linked to, to Ripple, um, ETH, which is the Ethereum coin, and then LTC, which is a Litecoin. So those are the big four um, on our exchange, but the majority of that is, is probably through BTC and XRP. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, Caroline, your exchange... BTC Markets is based in Melbourne, is that right? That's correct, yes. We're an Australian company. Yeah, and you started uh, in 2013? That's right, yep. And uh, so with two Melbourne founders. Mm -hmm. And so what does BTC Markets do and and, and how many, I mean, are you able to talk about your client base, the size and scale of that? 
Sure. So we are, well, in traditional market sense, we're a stock exchange. Um, and for digital assets, that's exactly what we do. So we list a number of different uh, crypto tokens or crypto assets, depending on how you want to refer to them, or digital assets. Um, and we facilitate the buy and sell of those, um, just your regular kind of buy and sell trades, but also an increasingly sophisticated suite of trading options. Um, our client base is Australian. We have 270,000 registered Australian users on our platform. So that's one in every 100 Australians have an account here with BTC Markets. Um, and I think that's probably reflected then, as you say, in our in our liquidity pool. Um, we've got the largest one here in, in Australia. Um, but we've developed and kind of grown alongside digital assets um, as, a, as a sector itself. So it's been a fantastic journey for the team. Yeah, absolutely. So, Caroline, you come from a very traditional, uh, if I can say that, um, equity markets approach, um, originally starting in Ireland and then moving into some global roles. Perhaps you could talk a little bit about your background and then also how on earth you got into what many would see as the Wild West of, uh, of, uh, of investments. Yeah, absolutely. So I started off influential markets working for a private client stockbroker in Dublin. Um, and my, the first project I worked on was a dematerialization of stock certificates into electronic form um, and have pretty much been chasing that trend ever since throughout my career. Um, worked for the private client broker and then worked for a US investment bank in their operations in Dublin and then moved to Singapore in 2008. Um, and I left investment banking. Um, my last position was in prime brokerage, working with hedge funds, so kind of survived the GFC, um, but left to start my own business. I was advising financial technology and blockchain companies in Singapore around their communication strategy um, and had that business for a number of years and just recently sold it. Um, in that time, we were in Singapore, but also expanded here into Australia, into Melbourne. Um, and got to know BTC markets and could see that their values and approach to business were very similar to kind of my own um, and my own background um, coming from the traditional financial markets. And so um, a friendship and a partnership struck up. And then when the opportunity came, I joined the team as CEO uh, starting in January of this year. Yeah. Well, and so you've obviously been through a few of the tectonic market events that we've um, um, witnessed over time um, and I guess now we've got um, you know, perhaps we call it the coronavirus um, scare that's um, that's um, making a big impact in capital markets um, what's happening in the volumes perhaps of, uh, of digital assets um, in this um, present time yeah I think well similar to suppose in the traditional market spaces um, there's a lot of volatility in digital assets, but this is a kind of a characteristic of the market at the moment anyway. Um, but in terms of trading volume, I know the 24 hour volume, according to coin market cap was US $142 billion. And I believe the ASX is about $4.6 billion. So to give you a sense of the activity levels that are going through, um, but, but where definitely, you know, macro trends like Corona and oil prices, et cetera, have some impact on digital assets. Um, they are themselves their own asset class, separate to what we consider traditional markets. 
Um, and so they are susceptible to their own trends and impacts, but, um, but increasingly become more connected into some of the global, global themes that we see in traditional spaces. Hmm. So certainly um, I can see the correlation between the digital assets and technology companies, but are you suggesting that the future trend is that digital assets will be linked to um, other sectors outside of technology? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, the applicability of this technology spans, you know, beyond just financial services or just beyond considered traditional technology companies. Um, this is this is the future um, and this is where this is where all industry is going to end up heading um, mm-hmm. certainly in terms of if you're looking to do capital raises or, or any kind of activity the opportunity um, the speed the reliability the trust um, that you can get from using blockchain technologies and then using this kind of tokenized um, financial assets this is where it's all heading Hmm. So using the word trust, and that's um, and that's something that I want to get um, back to very shortly. But um, I hope you don't mind me referring to it as the as the wild west. It's not a term that I coined. It's certainly uh, there's been a lot of finger pointing at um, at this asset class and, and and these markets as it as it moves from you know perceptions of that into a more trusted environment. Then clearly, capital markets or, or financial markets regulators play a very important role. Um, can you talk about how some of the trends that we've seen in the reg- regulatory space? And I mean, is it moving ahead um, very, very slowly or is it taking rapid uh, leaps um, and bounds in terms of new regulation that's affecting the market? Sure. Well, I mean, I think by its very nature, regulation tends to move at a, at a different pace than than um, than expected. But if we look at, say, what's happening out of Europe, um, the ESMA, they are consulting on a legal framework for cryptocurrencies. It's one of their priorities for 2020, 2022. They are, quote, looking to mainstream crypto assets um, with a unified system of regulation across the entire trading block. That's obviously of huge significance, um, simply the size of the market and the seriousness with which they're taking it as, a, as an asset class. And then if we're looking at, at, at the US, there is um, the Cryptocurrency Act 2020 is currently in front of the US House of Representatives. And this is where I, I think it's going to bring a lot of clarity. They basket um, assets, digital assets into currency, commodity and security. So you have digital currency, which is going to be regulated by FinCEN as part of the US Treasury, digital commodities, which will be looked after by the CFTC. And then similarly for digital securities, the SEC will step in there. So that's really going to help development and give investors some surety and some clarity um, around the market and for exchanges such as ourselves you know we definitely welcome that that kind of um, definition um, and regulation but we're also seeing it kind of going a bit more mainstream in the US there's a virtual currency tax fairness bill that's in front of them now to um, see about getting small crypto transactions exempt from capital gains and I know in January there was a bill that went um, to um, legislate for Hawaiian banks um, being able to store digital assets, which include digital securities and blockchain tokens. So we're seeing that kind of set move, that inch forward, and, and and what happens in 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 marketplaces such as the US and throughout the European Union are absolutely going to have a ripple effect throughout the rest of the world. Um, and even if you look, say, from our own point of view, IOSCO, who are the International Organization of Security Commissions. They've put forward key considerations for digital exchanges such as ourselves worldwide and for the regulators that are involved. 
And I know that here in Australia, we were a part of that consultative process in, in building out those key considerations. So we're seeing it move forward. Um, and so, I mean, from our point of view, it's not our job to tell the regulator what to do, but we're very much happy to help provide any insights that we can for this particular market, considering both the size of our user base and the depth of, of um, activity that we've seen here. Um, because I think it's just, it's just so key to, to the development and the security of our, of our um, sector. Absolutely. And I mean, there's no doubt that central banks and financial market regulators see the need for this. Um, certainly, there's been a lot of commentary issued by central banks around the world in relation to digital assets. And, and look, you know, what you're talking about in terms of the regulatory response, um, it's, 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 this is standard practice. I mean, we see it in all sorts of innovation in financial instruments, um, just winding the clock back maybe a decade, and we started to see hybrid financial instruments, part debt, part equity securities. Um, and uh, and that, that was very challenging for, for regulators um, in terms of, how, you know, how those securities are to be managed and the disclosure requirements. Um, but certainly that was, that's been better down. Um, and then the fin- uh, financial instrument re- innovation ticks on one more time, regulators catch up. So, you know, this is a um, sort of a, a tortoise and a hare kind of approach that regulators are very used to. Um, this rapid uh, innovation in financial instruments and then the slow and steady response by the regulators. So in, in terms of globally, which regulatory uh, regime do uh, uh, is having the most impact on investors at the moment? Is it what's happening in the US or what's happening in Europe? Um, I don't necessarily know if if it's having an immediate impact on investor activity. I think it's certainly increasing the amount of interest in it as a as an investment um, and as an asset class, particularly because you know for other people who similarly have heard these wild west stories as you as you put it. Um, and as, you know, now that they're seeing the regulator is, is taking a look, they are equally coming to the table and equally examining the opportunities that are here. I mean, I know that, for example, like Bitcoin itself in the first quarter this year brought up returns of over 10%, which in such a low interest environment um, is obviously very appealing. Um, but but with that, you know, obviously for our point of view, we really much welcome this kind of um, this kind of rigor um, and obviously the, the, the interest that it brings with it. Yeah. Caroline, I'm, I, I also hear this term decentralised finance um, and um, I'd be interested to get your thoughts on uh, what, what that means and what that means for, uh, for, for investors in particular. Yeah, it's, this is a really interesting um, development and kind of speaks to, to how the industry sector is evolving or the application of this technology is evolving. Um, decentralised finance is, is kind of taking what we would consider traditional financial products such as savings or loans or insurance um, and putting them onto kind of public decentralized ledgers so it would be kind of open finance might be another term that you could use for it but it would mean then that um, you that for any developers they build what are called dApps built on these public decentralized edges to open up access to these traditional financial instruments um, and, and they're currently live in the market it's still a very much a nascent and growing space 
but um, but it's it's very much a growing sector and an application of this technology um, in the wild, if you like. But we're looking at them with this clusterization of digital assets. You're looking at instant settlement. You're looking at standardization. You're looking at interoperability um, to these open open protocols, this open finance, um, and it's it's kind of as I say, billing itself as as being financial inclusion um, through the use of this technology. So. You know, for any investors that are looking to come into the space, it's certainly a use case that you can look at um, and kind of develop your own thinking around, you know, whether these technologies, whether these use cases are going to be developed into, into anything further. But it certainly is, you know, this whole kind of uh, writing off of blockchain is just another form of technology that will never be used. You know, we're, we're seeing these being deployed and being used already. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Uh... Uh, you know, many many people were looking at, at blockchain as not necessarily being a novel technology, but certainly its application in finance, in particular, has been absolutely outstanding in terms of de- developing so much innovation. Um, so it, it certainly has a big future ahead of it. So, Caroline, certainly uh, there's a lot of speculative uh, investment that's attracted to digital assets, but certainly a, a mainstream use that uh, that is widely reported is the use of these digital assets in terms of cross-border uh, money flows. Can you just talk a little bit about uh, what's happening globally in terms of uh, international remittances and then perhaps also the role that BTC Markets has in, in that market? Sure, thank you. So from... Um... From our point of view, our partnership with Ripple to help facilitate this cross-border transaction flow is um, is one of the most exciting parts of, of 2020 for us and, and our future. So um, Ripple have developed a cross-border payment system using their XRP token. Um, so John goes to a remitter in his home market, purchases a, a quantity of XRP using Australian dollar and pre-agrees um, a FX transaction, which will then send that XRP to our exchange to the partner in the Philippines, um, who will then collect the XRP and then instantly change it into the Filipino peso. So it's a straightforward um, flow, kind of payment flow, but where it has advantage, where it's advantageous against existing flows is that it is um, so swift and it is inexpensive and it is secure. Um, and so that's really going to be a transformational um, approach to cross-border payments, both for um, kind of personal use, but also for large corporates and internationals. Um, so from our point of view, we saw 100 million US dollars or 100 million Australian dollars go through our exchange in six weeks, partially to do with this transaction and partially just to do with XRP activity in general. But that's a real life use case um, of this technology being used in the Australian financial system um, as of today. Yeah, and, and certainly I think this will be a, a growing trend as well, uh, particularly with a lot more fintechs coming into the market, offering um, various financial services and starting to eke some market share away from traditional banks. So no doubt these cross-border payments will become uh, an ever-increasing part of the pie for, um, uh, for for many financial service providers. I think so, but but I think what's really important for me and why I'm so passionate about this technology is what it means on a personal level or what it means for businesses. Like it's so transformational to be able to send money securely and swiftly at such a low cost base. Um, and it's, you know, it's that evolution of finance as, as we've spoken about. 
Um, but for me, then, you know, it's kind of what gets, gets me up in the morning. So I'm so passionate about it, seeing these applications and understanding the impact that they're going to have on, on people's lives and on, and on businesses and the growth of our economy. So, Caroline, a lot of the media coverage on dig- digital assets and Bitcoin in particular tends to be focused around the price, the price of uh, these digital assets. But I think a very important thing for investors to be aware of is volume. Um, it's it's no good being able to lock in a, a, a paper profit or, hit, or a loss um, without actually being able to close that position out. So in terms of BTC markets, can you talk a little bit about the, uh, the volume or the liquidity pool that you have? Sure, absolutely. So since our inception, we've put through about 14 million trades and are just shy of $9 billion in, in AUD that's been activity that's gone through our books. But if you look at perhaps our like seven-day volume at the moment, we're at about 28 million, which puts us within you know, around the top 130 markets in the world and certainly one of the largest players locally. Um, and just in a 24-hour volume, we're kind of with a busy marketplace, we could be up around 7 million um, over a 24-hour period. Um, so there's a lot of activity out there. There's a lot of volume out there. Um, and we certainly attract the greatest pool of liquidity um, for the Australian uh, marketplace. Absolutely. And I think with um, with regulatory reform inching forward um, and greater clarity over um, the definitions of these assets, no doubt that, li- that liquidity is going to continue to increase. Carolyn Bowler, thank you so much for taking some time out to talk with us about BTC Technologies and, uh, and give our listeners a little bit more of an understanding around uh, digital assets. We look forward to speaking with you again um, because this is certainly uh, an area of great interest and I think with your vantage point at PTC Markets, uh, keeping an eye on what's happening in Australia, we'd love to have you on again. Super. Thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate it.